Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Caleb Frankert, and I'm joined by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Jason Burnell. Caleb, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. All right, let's mix it up. All right. This is exciting times. Why? Because of the drink? There's so much pumpkin. <laughs> I just, you know. Yeah, I, I, I screwed I, up. You Why? Well, okay, so... We're drinking a cocktail called the Great Pumpkin. Yeah. Which just reminds me of the Charlie Brown. Yeah. The Great Pumpkin episode. I'm sure that's why it was named the Great Pumpkin. I'm but sure. I'm sure. That and there's pumpkin in it, I mean. But why else would you call it the Great Pumpkin, right? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. This episode is coming out right after Halloween. We said Thanksgiving. Right before, I mean, so I'm a pump- that's true. equal pumpkin opportunity But person. that's a different Charlie Brown movie. I guess. Happy Thanksgiving, Charlie okay. Brown, I, th- I think. You can watch the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and reminisce about the halloween you just had that's true i mean that's okay but do you remember did, did you have like the the box set of the charlie brown so i feel like this is one of those things that like came in like a mcdonald's happy meal mm, like sure a vhs tape or something oh yeah could have been uh-huh i really might have been the christmas one you know now that i th- say that it was a green vhs tape i'm like Wow, you just threw me back to like my <laughs> eight-year-old Happy Meal. You, you know, know, McDonald's just did, maybe they're still doing it. The adult Happy Meals. Yeah, they yeah. should have thrown a VHS tape in there. Huh? Oh well, what would you do with it? <laughs> I don't know. They're really collectible, apparently. That's just wrong. I, I don't know. When we had kids, <laughs> one of the first things that we bought was the box set, the DVD set yeah. of uh, all the the holiday holiday Charlie Brown movies. So yeah. you've got the Great Pumpkin. You are not elected, Charlie Brown. That's, yes, yes, <laughs> and it's right around That's the same a good time one. of year. Yeah. yeah, so it makes sense. There was, I think, it's called Happy Thanksgiving, Charlie Brown. Yeah, and or maybe Charlie just Brown a Charlie Christmas. Brown Thanksgiving. Well, but there was the Mayflower one too. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, I do My remember kids, that. Not a fan of that one. You know, some of the Charlie Browns are a little slow for kids. You know, I don't know. You know, okay, I like that one because I, I like them all. Yeah, but. Yeah, and I, I've told you before that my my grandma did some genealogy stuff. Yeah, she traced that side of the family back to William Bradford. Ooh, you know that's a long Plymouth time. Rock. Yeah, yeah, first governor, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, interesting. Kids. I was like, Charlie Brown did history on your family. Yeah, and they're like, they're so like, what? this one stinks. <laughs> it's so, not the Great Pumpkin. So growing <laughs> up, we were huge fans of garfield's oh, holiday specials i don't remember the holiday specials but okay. i love Garfield. i have the trilogy just so you oh. know and it is the halloween episode is awesome <laughs> it is by far my favorite but the christmas one's really good the thanksgiving one's just kind of marginal but yeah i have i have that on dvd we should watch it sometime we and should. it's like on one day no, at work like netflix not it's nowhere to be found so charlie brown that really sounds it? what is Charlie Brown on any of the streaming services? Um, that's a good like question. They're trying to erase history, Caleb. So uh, what, what TV station do they always play them on? Is it ABC? So I'm I guessing. Like I feel like it's CBS. No, oh. Charlie Brown's ABC. Okay, so it might yeah. be on Disney then. Disney Plus? It could be. Maybe. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah. what, Jason. For uh, the research. <laughs> here, here's a great transition point, right? That Garfield holiday DVD that you have yes. sounds collectible. Ooh. If something should happen to you. Mm-hmm. Is that in your will? <laughs> We're going to talk about... I might have actually some family controversy <laughs> over it. That's a good point. Not only are we drinking the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, uh, we yes. are also talking about estate planning mistakes to avoid. And Jason, this is part one. Part one. We're going to at least do a part two after this. Yeah. I, you know, I think 
we were like, I went to a conference and I kind of got smacked in the face with a few of these. And Where was had, your conference? It was in Denver. Ah, Denver. Yeah. Sunshine State. Rocky Mountain High. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, it was. Uh, honestly, Denver, <laughs> not so beautiful. Reference. I know. I know. <laughs> Denver, not so beautiful. The Rockies, unbelievable. Not as pretty as it used to be, Denver? Mm, no. I mean, if you like the smell of urine and <laughs> body odor. Dang it. I mean, it's still a really neat city. Don't get me wrong, but. Man, you just don't you don't have to drive. You drive in any direction out of Denver and it's just unbelievable. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it is kind of unfortunate. So, but anyways, you know what else is unfortunate? Dying without a will. <laughs> no, and that's drink. not even on our list today. No. But let's let's get into <laughs> the drink a little bit. <laughs> so, we are drinking great pumpkins. First of all, I, I pulled this one also off of the OHLQ website. We've yep. been using some of their fall cocktails. So far, hit and miss, right? Yeah. We had a, a really, we had a dead ringer. It was spot oh. on. Great drink. We had one that was just not for me. We so tr- we tried to finish it. It was rough. It was it was tough. I think we went to Bourbon Neat <laughs> we uh, did. on that one. So <laughs> not that that's, I mean, maybe we'll go to Bourbon Neat here too. But I don't think that's going to happen here. This one has a lot of fall promise, Jason. Yeah. So what do we have here? We've got one ounce of rye whiskey, rye and I whiskey, used rye whiskey. <laughs> I used rare breed rye. Oh yes, which is a great one for drinks. Oh, yeah, uh, I shelf, mean it's great by everything. the way. By itself, it's it's fine. It's it's a good. Oh yeah, uh, it's more than fine. It's a great whiskey. I love it. And you know, as we've seen in the past, using great whiskey to make cocktails usually great base turns in, yeah turns into a great cocktail. So yep. we got a good base here with rare breed rye. We've got this is interesting. We've got an ounce of apple brandy as well. And this bottle that you picked up, it's Starlight Distillery. Yes. Which has put out some really actually hard to find bourbons. Yes. And very, very highly rated. So I'm excited to try this. Yeah. And Might they were try like, some by again at our, our, one of our local, you know, liquor establishments. Watering holes. Yeah. It was highly recommended. And I was in Indiana. So I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they were a little. The crossroads of America. Yeah. A little biased because this is from Indiana, right? Well, I'll tell you. Are they lying to me? No. Uh, I, th- I think Starlight, so they source their bourbon, I think, from, well, their rise. I could be totally wrong on this, but Lawrenceburg, Indiana, yeah. Yeah. is MGP, which there's a lot of, a lot of sure. distillate that comes right. out of MGP that's used in some of our favorite stuff ever. Sure. So, yeah, when, when I see Indiana, I'm thinking, MGP? Does this have something to do with MGP? Now, this Applejack probably has nothing to do with that. No. <laughs> and I might want to try that like by itself because, yeah. again, like we're stacking some stuff in this drink. We are. This, I mean, looking at the labels I've got in front of me, this is a powerhouse. So, recapping, one ounce of rye whiskey, one ounce of apple brandy. We've got two ounces pumpkin ale. Pumpkin and we've got ale. Pumpkin. Pumpkin ale. Pretty, pretty, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty... Popular fall drink here, pumpkin, Southern Tier yeah. Brewing Pumpkin. It's an Imperial Pumpkin Ale. We've got a half an ounce of maple syrup. Ooh, it's been a hit every time yeah, we've used it. Really it really has been. And then grated nutmeg to garnish, and Which it just looks awesome on the probably top. Probably one of my favorite spices of all time. It smells so. wonderful, Jason. Let's dig in. Cheers. This thing looks great. Let's see how it tastes. Oh baby. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Dang, that's really interesting. You know, you I, the beer the is great. The beer is great. I didn't think beer and rye would be a good combo. It, it is 
It's that's different. That's not real, what I expected. Real good. But it, yeah, it's good. The nutmeg on there is nice. So the maple, you can taste the, the maple syrup. All the beer, like kind of bitterness that you would get from a beer is just, it's just gone. It's just not even there at all. Mm. That's real good. Mm, this, yeah, this is good. And you can still, you still get the rye at the end. You definitely taste the rye. I can taste the apple jack in there for sure. That's cool. You can taste every element. And you know what? That's a good cocktail when you can taste every element, yeah. I think. That's Dang, that's pretty darn good, Jason. I mean, it's on the sweeter side of things. I and mean, we've got maple syrup in there. Oh, yeah. So I want to try this beer by itself because pumpkin is, again, another one. We don't. It's a popular one. You know, we buy beer. We're so bad. We don't drink it that no, much. Not like, much. We're just bourbon guys. I we guess. should drink more beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already fat enough, man. <laughs> I want to try this. I already did. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a good one. Wow. Hey, and you know what? We're talking a lot about the drink here, but I saw that Southern Tier makes a pumpkin whiskey. Ooh. We that's, need to find that. It's a little yeah. scary. I saw it yesterday. I I'm just afraid it. of buying a like a $50 bottle of flavored. Like $23. Okay, well, I might try that. But it could be a $23 gimmick. I well, don't know. What was that one we tried that was uh oh, never mind. It was it was Detroit. It was uh <laughs> Oh gosh, that was Woo! Some people liked it. I know. Not we're, here. We're not going to mention their names. <laughs> All right. So this is a good drink. And I'd say for the most part, the, the hardest thing to find here probably would be the apple brandy, which isn't very hard to find. You should be able to find all of this stuff at your local liquor store. They I had think. five choices for apple brandy. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of them call for Applejack, the original Laird's yeah. Applejack, which mm-hmm. is now gone from Ohio. I'd say this is a good replacement. I haven't had it by itself, but you can taste it in the mix there. Yeah. No, this, this is a pretty is... good drink. This would be great around the holidays, which are coming up pretty I fast. Mean, Thanksgiving time even. Yeah, absolutely. This might be, one, you know, we have a client event coming up. Ooh. Yeah, this we should be try a good, This would be a good one to have on tap. You okay. Know? You want to try something fun, you know, this is a good one. So, you know me, I will be hiding in the corner mixing <laughs> drinks. All right, so let's get down to the estate planning mistakes to avoid, Jason, part one. You kicked it off with, you know, the conference that you went to, a really good speaker there talking about uh, a lot of common estate planning mistakes. And I think he had it boiled down to like 25. Right. We're not going to get into 25. I wanted to whittle it down to five based on what you brought back. Yeah. Because uh, I think there's some really important ones, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't. So I think five is about all the time we'll have uh, to go through today, maybe. <laughs> and I, I think that there are another five that, that deserve their own episode. So I'm going to try to group them a little bit here, Jason. Sure. We're kind of going with beneficiary stuff here, right? Like right. what affects your beneficiary? So Yeah. And to be clear on this, these are not like ultra high net worth estate no planning this is applicable strategy. for everybody yeah and this is not like go out and buy 15 staggered awesome life insurance policies no. these are all very practical this is this is basic stuff but mm-hmm. it's stuff that we see missed and all we, the time and we forget that's why absolutely so. we we notice this unfortunately a lot of times when things are too late too late yeah so let's get into the first one jason number one on the list we have here is leaving the wrong type of assets to charity right okay so what do we mean by that? When someone passes away, generally they've got different types of assets. And we talk about this all the time on the podcast. You've got qualified assets, maybe yep. your retirement, the pre-tax stuff. And then you've got your non-qualified stuff, which may be you know, brokerage accounts, a stock portfolio, Mutual funds, CDs, yep. savings yep. accounts, things like mm-hmm. that after tax money, right? Jason, is there a wrong way to give to charity? <laughs> 
just the answer is no, really. But you can be a lot more efficient and end up giving a bigger gift because you give the right assets. Yeah, so, you, so you can you can give the same amount of assets, yep. but the impact of how you give can effectively you can give more essentially when it's a net Correct. to a beneficiary, right? Yeah. So if you're trying, if you just blindly go into your estate and split everything up evenly, let's say you have three kids. And now you, hang on. Right. That's the next one. Okay. 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 Yeah, that's right. It is. Yeah. So this is more of like qualified money versus non-qualified. So IRAs, great way to give to charity. They don't care. They're not going to pay income tax. No. And and I'll say, you know, from experience this year we had, well, last year we had a member of our congregation that passed away Mm -hmm. and didn't have kids or anybody really to leave anything to. Right. And she had a lot of different charities that she supported and she, she had family, nieces and nephews and things Uh like that. But her qualified money was earmarked to go to the church. And again, we did not have to worry about taxes or anything when it came to that because it's going to charity. So there's a way where let's say, Jason, someone passes away and leaves you an IRA. You're going to have to pay taxes on that, which means you're not you're not inheriting all that you inherit technically. Right. Uncle Sam's inheriting some of that money. Less thought on the dollar amount, more Mm -hmm. thought on the right asset here is really important. Um, if you know, if you go in and just think I'm going to leave X dollars to the charity, it just is important to think about where it's coming from. But the other one I want to mention on this is two capital gains on a non-qualified account. So you have a position, a stock position that's you know sat in your portfolio for a long time, big cap gains. That's a great. You can do that while you're alive. For and although. Although they, they would get a stepped up base. You get stepped. Yeah. As yeah. of now, mm-hmm. I mean, and there is, has been some legislation or attempts at legislation to eliminate this, but I would argue that, uh, you know, inheriting non-qualified stock is an okay thing sure. for, for a, a mm-hmm. child, right? Because they get the stepped up basis, especially if you plan on selling it right away. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think actually, you know, leaving IRA, if, if it's part of your plan to leave assets to, yep. let's say a charity, a church, you know, a humane society, something like that. It doesn't make any difference to them how they get it. Okay. Nope. So qualified assets, th- that's a great place to send those. And yep. your kids will probably appreciate not inheriting a tax time bomb, right? So those highly appreciated assets like stock with with a low cost basis that they get a step up in. Right. Yeah, that's huge. That's a, that's a way to make these, uh, these gifts, these bequests a little bit more impactful. Um, but this is a great lead in then. Right. To the second one, which is Another mistake that we see, which could be splitting your accounts evenly between your beneficiaries. And the most common we see here is I've got four kids and mm-hmm. each kid is 25% beneficiary yep. on all of my accounts. Qualified, non-qualified, you know, IR, retirement versus non-retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. Just split them up and not consider their tax brackets at all. Why is that a mistake, Jason? Because some of your kids are harder workers than the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and actually, you, you got to think a little bit more generationally. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be giving money to a grandchild. They might yeah. be pooping their pants. So <laughs> they don't have a tax bracket. So give them the more qualified assets. To yeah. Because they're not going to have as much of an impact. And, and, and again, the idea here is what you want to do is you want to give everybody the same amount. But by putting everyone on as equal beneficiaries, you, you're not necessarily. So case in point, you have a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollar IRA. Yep. And well, well, let's make this more fun. You got a million dollar IRA yeah. and you've got four children, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody's going to inherit $250,000 at mm-hmm. your death. Okay. Yep. Child A is a rock star. They own a business. They're in the highest tax bracket. Yep. Killing it. Killing it. Right. 
Paying lots of taxes. Yep. <laughs> so maybe in the highest marginal tax bracket. Yeah. Child B, you know, does okay. Child C, does okay. Child, Child D, D, never really got out of the nest. Never really <laughs> saw the need for going out and working. You know, or or maybe we we can throw one in there too. Where let's say let's say you've got a child with special needs, sure, disabled or something yep. like that, right? Right. So, are they all going to inherit two hundred fifty thousand dollars? Yes, but when Uncle Sam is settled up with, do they all get two hundred fifty thousand dollars? No way. Not that. No, absolutely no. not. So you know, I don't think I think about this enough as a planner. I'll just tell you that. Like I think, well, it's because it takes constant revisiting, right, yeah, Jason? Right, because things change all the time. Yeah, maybe the child, and who, you got to know, you got to know more about your beneficiaries, and it takes involving them a little more, which is kind of. It it's feels touchy. icky sometimes. It's touchy. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think that's part of it too. And and parents, yeah, you know, I mean, I think I would probably feel this way too. Like, I don't want to be unfair, mm-hmm. but you kind of are being unfair yeah. in a way. So, well, let's put it this way. Right. Let's say you've got a Roth IRA and mm-hmm. you've got a traditional IRA. Yep. We'll simplify this. Two beneficiaries. One's in, in the zero tax bracket. Yep. One is in the highest tax bracket. Yep. Well, you wouldn't put them 50-50, right? You shouldn't. What you ought to do probably is put the high earner on the Roth. Yep. And the low earner or no earner on the traditional. Yep. Right? So there are ways to structure this. And yeah, it, I mean, your your low earner might become your high earner five years down the road. So it requires constant review of beneficiaries. Yeah. So I think that's probably the moral of the story out of all of this. Which is great because that's our third point. Woo! The third mistake is people not reviewing or updating their beneficiaries for crying out loud. Yeah. And we this, see this a lot. We do. And this is one that, I mean, can sneak up and get you. Yeah. And so, and I'm going to point out a case where I had somebody in a divorce situation mm. and then, you know, passes away and they left their money to their ex Whew. because that was the beneficiary they never updated. And that is real ouchy. Yeah. But especially if there's a new spouse involved. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's like sag your head. I mean, because they may have thought they took care of it with a will. Yeah. But the beneficiary designation supersedes the will. I mean, it just does. And that's how law Absolutely. works. And so it's just so important that we look at this on a regular basis. And again, I'm going to call my own bluff on this a little bit and say, maybe we're not doing as good of a job looking at this and telling our clients that, hey, we need to you look know, at this like every single year. Maybe I, th- This is a mistake that occurs, Jason, for a lot of reasons. And I think one, nobody wants to talk about dying. Well, no, this sucks. <laughs> That's one. But the, what I'm thinking is I, I give clients the benefit of the doubt and think, well, they're going to inform me on these changes. Right. 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 And I think that clients sometimes think, well, yeah, I got remarried. So my beneficiary changes. Right. Well, not unless you tell us. Right. And we've both worked in the bank, right? Yep. Any bank, any brokerage, anywhere you go, it doesn't matter what the will says. Right. It doesn't matter what's obviously supposed to happen. The only way they can execute any of these instructions are, are how the beneficiary agreements are drawn up. The designation on the account. And, yeah. And it goes for both primary and contingent. So, Which is a great lead-in, Jason, because... <laughs> We don't see this very often, although we highly encourage it. I think everyone listening to this needs to, and if you're our client and we don't have this shame on us, call us and let's let's get your contingent beneficiary set up. Not having contingent beneficiaries on accounts is another mistake to avoid, a Mm -hmm. big one. Jason, why would you have contingent beneficiaries on an account? 
unfortunately, in times of tragedy, mm-hmm. a pandemic, a pandemic, whatever, but an accident, let's say both spouses are killed instantly. And so now you're in a situation where your primary beneficiary is likely no longer living. Mm-hmm. So the contingents would kick in. And if you have a will and it's solid, the will will also take over if yeah. you don't have contingents done. But but there's a problem with that, right? Because yes. the process now becomes probate. It's probatable assets, and it could easily have been handled with a, a designation. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that this is not always as simple as it seems, and there are times. Are, you, are we getting into like persterpes and all that stuff? Yeah, and so <laughs> I will just say that there's no, it's not always the best thing to have a contingent beneficiary. Okay, but. In most cases, it does make sense. And so, again, like good estate planning attorneys will be able to tell you, like, hey, you know, your will will take care of this. We have a trust, you know, whatever it is. But we doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Well, and you're you're alluding to the point where let's say you've got minor children. Yep. And, you know, you probably don't want to just leave them as the content. Although, it works. It does work. <laughs> um, but let's say you've got a situation where there's a special needs child or Correct. something like that. You probably ought to have a trust set up or something. And, and the instructions are, no, if my beneficiary is gone, we want it trust. to go through probate. We want it to go through the tr- or beneficiary being the trust. Right. Right. Yeah, there are a few scenarios. But for the most part, contingent beneficiaries are just a dang good idea. And let's be honest. I mean, I I have a client who unfortunately... Uh, had one parent pass away, and in the process of getting things squared away, the other parent passed away. Right. Um, before, and, and this was, they knew they had to take care of this. They were in the process of taking care of it. Right. And so it, it just happens. So it just, yeah. So it, it ended up working through the courts, which is not ideal. No. One point that I want to point out here that I think is really good, mm-hmm. and I hadn't heard it said this way trust, I'm not a big trust fan. Right. Okay. As an advisor, but they're overused. They're overused. A lot of times it's like plate, lick, plate licking events, <laughs> you know, where you can go and buy yourself a trust for five grand and a free meal. Yeah. But when you hear the word trust, think the opposite of trust. <laughs> okay. So if I have an estate uh-huh. and I need a trust, it's because I don't trust. Well, sure. And I yeah. think that's a really good way of looking at it. You hit the nail on the head. It's not that you don't trust your child with special needs. But you certainly don't trust your, you know, recovering drug addict or alcoholic sure. child or you know family member. But you have. ought to have that stuff squared away Abs- as far as if you're absolutely. gone and your beneficiary is gone, who would normally be handling it? Who is going to take care of this? That's stuff, right. Right. And so in that case, you don't want this life's this testament of your life's work mm-hmm. to be a noose for the beneficiary. Yeah. And so I think that's just important to mention here around contingents. But we, again, we could really dive deep into sure. uh, strategies for structuring beneficiaries. Yeah, and, and I would say, yeah, that would be a good episode. And, and this is really kind of a beneficiary-focused uh, episode. One thing a lot of times we don't consider, Jason, is in the event of a, one spouse passing and, mm-hmm. and the other receiving the funds, right? So there's something that we refer to as a deathbed IRA. Right. Really, we're talking about what happens as far as taxes go right. after you lose a spouse, right? So Talk about the deathbed IRA a little bit and the strategy behind this, Jason. Yeah, so we've got a, a kind of a unique short timetable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One spouse passes away. Yep. Okay. 
it's 2022. God forbid this happens to you, but here we are. It's October, November when this episode comes out. You have two months left in the year, really. Okay. This is the last year you can file a joint return with mm-hmm. your spouse unless <laughs> you have a qualifying dependent. Yeah. Oh, well, and there's some other there's, there's some a other few other examples. You have to be a qualifying widow. Correct. Which yep. you can you can find the definition on that on the IRS's website, which, which is isn't long, confusing at all, but, by the way. But and it, <laughs> generally speaking, if you have a dependent that mm-hmm. you're paying for one half or more of the household expenses, you're able to file as a qualifying widow mm-hmm. for as much as two years beyond the death yes. of the spouse. And why that's important, Jason, is married filing jointly, you get more deductions, standard deduction, for example. Higher right? standard deduction, so favorable tax bracket. Exactly. They're wider. So, so it, let's say spouse passes away. You're not a qualifying widow. You got a two-month window to do some right. tax planning, right? In my example, yes. Because th- that's it. You're, that's it. <laughs> you're, uh, your opportunity is running out in a couple months now. And you I do hate have, forcing a widow in, or a widower into yeah. a decision. Well, th- those are... But it is this is significant financial impact stuff. Yeah. So that unless you go out and get remarried, like, quickly. well, then you're not a qualifying widow anymore. But you could be technically you could qualify for married tax brackets later, later. Yeah. But you don't know that. But you're 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 grieving. And this is the difference. This is the difference. <laughs> Filing married joint mm-hmm. when there's no income on the other side there, That's right? Right. So, so you're looking at ab- you're able to take more exemptions, but also there's less income coming in, right? Which is, allows us to be strategic with things like Roth, Roth conversions, conversions yeah. right? Uh, or tax loss harvesting in general. And I had a great example of this. Very aggressively have done Roth conversions. Mm-hmm. Child was in college, is now done. No, two years. We got the full qualifying widow benefit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they may disagree that that's a benefit because they would love their spouse to be sure. There, but the reality is, is the tax code is the tax code, and yep. you know what? Haven't said this in a long time. Work Ooh, that tax code. Work it. <laughs> Why did we the, stop saying that? I don't know. <laughs> so in this particular case, it was like really smart to do aggressive tax strategy mostly around Roth conversions. Yeah. And you know, this will pay benefits for, you know, years to come. And this is, you know, you depending on your situation, this is kind of like change your family tree kind of, you know, conversations. Mm-hmm. It's it's a big deal. So that one I think is overlooked. Definitely overlooked. Yeah. And I would I would be so sad if you were in a situation where it is late in the year. And you did just get hit by a bus, it feels like, from mm-hmm. a grieving perspective. But a good advisor is going to sit you down and shake you a little bit and say, we, we've got, we got to do some work. This is important. As much as I would love to kick the can down the road, this one is probably one that you need to address yeah. quickly. Yeah, I agree. You know, Like you said, this is one that's overlooked a lot. All of these are ones that are unfortunately overlooked a lot. So right. if you're listening well, we to this... It. And you're young and you're thinking, you know, well, I will never die. You might, you might be thinking, (laughs) why am I still listening to this? None of this applies. It absolutely applies. Yeah. We all have an expiration date. We just don't know when it is. Uh, So we need to get this stuff in order sooner rather than later. And the good news is we've got at least five more coming up next week, Jason. That's right. And if you don't have a will, get a will, doggone it. Yeah. Doggone. I'm working on it. 
Thanks for having God. a drink with us this week, folks. It's time to close out the tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance Podcast, be sure to email us at podcast at bluejfg.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with the latest action by following us on Facebook. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Caleb and Jason. Cheers. Cheers, Charlie yeah. Brown. <laughs> Let's go watch Charlie Brown. Yeah. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC. Blue Jay is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to a consumer in a particular state by Blue Jay and the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written consent on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay unless other otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources, and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation.